Welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. Great sales teams are not recruited, they are built block by block. Let's get to work. How's your team doing? How have your sales been? Crazy. Yeah? Crazy. Since I've been back, dude, it's been like on average two a day. Nice. I'd say, I mean, some of them are three to three in a day. Some of them are just one, but like on you average, we're looking at two a day. When you left, they well, were you going to maintain or what? Just the thing is, is that it, it's, it, yeah, what, I think what happened is I, I set up this competition and that's mm-hmm. something we can even talk about in this, in this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the podcast. So I set up oh, this we're competition recording already, dude. Oh, that's fine. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> usually there's some sort of introduction like, Hey, where are you know? Yeah. I'll give an intro. Sales teams. I'll <laughs> give totally an fine. intro, but I like to get the crap before too. Cause sometimes it's gold. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, uh, I set up a competition. Basically we did a draft, so it was cool. So we basically had two team captains on each team. Mm-hmm. And it was so much fun. We basically did this thing where we're, where it's like, okay, so, uh, you know, okay, you pick first, you know, you, uh, uh, you know, you get the leads and stuff. So we're splitting up the leads 50, 50, the online leads, but you could pick either, you know, do you want a a lead setter or do you want another closer? Or do you want somebody who's, who's, uh, uh, you know, on the support side or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. So we were basically, you know, help, we were kind of doing that, you know, help each other out and, and and pick a team and, you know, pick your guy and all that stuff too. Yeah. And one was like, Oh, well, this guy speaks Spanish. So let's do this, you know, or this guy's working really hard. I guarantee they're going to be really good. You know, that's kind of how it was. And we, we also have a thing of where we can recruit our own guys, Mm -hmm. right. To build the team. But if the team recruits them, then we, we go back and forth. Right. So if, if, if the, you know, it comes, they come in through indeed, Mm -hmm it goes, you know, one goes to team annihilators, right. the other goes to team bulls. Right? right. So, yeah. And we have like team names and stuff like that. And that has been really exciting. It's fired everybody up. And so me coming back and like kind of sitting down with everybody and saying, guys, like, I need you guys to take this seriously. Yeah. This, this, is, if, if this, yeah this competition won't mean anything unless you guys take it seriously. Right. I and gotta, so I got to send you some stuff that I think you would appreciate. Um, so whenever I had an operational partner, we came up with, uh, network sales league. And oh, so that's the, cool. Yeah. So it was, uh, you know, the network was the organization and sales league. So basically we operated like the NFL and, um, hmm. we had I love it. teams in different markets, you know, different divisions, stuff like that. We had a scoring system for the points, you know what I mean? And it was a 16 week season and a championship, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, you know, we, and we even did, on a weekly basis, we did a, uh, a newscast or like a sports center type setup where we talked about the teams that were doing well and, you know, the, the rookies and the, the new, you know what I mean? Like we, we did it like a sports center sports cast, me and uh, Ralph, my operational partner at the time. It was cool as shit. You know? <laughs> I love that. And we just, we just ran it like a football league, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, 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 I feel like it worked out really good. There was a lot of drama, you know what I mean? The point system. Sure. And, you know, it was just like anytime you do anything extra, like all of a sudden they give a crap about how you structure it and what's fair. You know what I mean? And you're like, I'm spending right. extra money on you. 
I'm doing right. it. Like, and you're complaining about how I'm doing it. Right. You know? There's so. actually uh, uh, this, so this game, uh, so this app Gamify, that yeah. you, did you see it at the, uh, uh, at, yeah. you know, the SolarCon? Um, so did you, I'm actually- Did you purchase that? Yeah, I did. Dude, they so want I'm, the whole fee up front for you. Yeah, well, yeah, that was that was a little weird. And I told them, the I, I talked to them about that and, mm-hmm. and they ended up making something, you know, work um, with me. But I, I told them, I said, that was like the one thing holding me back. And so we ended up making it's something like work, but it was really, I, I love the idea. My whole thing I is love, proof, proof of concept. You know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll do it for 90 days, but I, I, I need to go through some proof of concept before I invest a whole year. I mean, that's just crazy for a, a software, you know? Yeah. Well, I will tell you, I mean, just like you were talking about, obviously the concept works as long as the app work is, works itself. Like mm-hmm. it works with your CRM and works mm-hmm. with all that stuff. That's, that's all that matters to me because yeah. if I'm not using it correctly, then that's my fault. Right. Yeah. Um, but I know that that concept works because you were just talking about how you had, you know, this NFL season type thing and, and that type of stuff works. The competitions, you know, anytime you can get somebody fired up because they're competing against each other, mm-hmm. that's the best way to do it. We're going to do stuff like March Madness next year um, where we're going to have like, like it's going to be people. Dude, I can right? send you some files on that too. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's gonna <laughs> I got be a people. whole bracket. Gonna... All you got to yeah. do is swap out your logo and you're good to go. <laughs> that's right. I love it. Yeah. So we're going to do all that stuff too. We're going to have a point system. If you set uh-huh. leads to get this, if you, you know, if you uh, close deals and so whoever has the most points and then they go up to the next bracket right and then there's like upsets and it's it'd be pretty fun so yeah no march madness is something we've done for a long time and it it is it's a lot of fun because it just it breaks up the monotony you know what i mean yeah 100 percent. all right guys we got jory mack here on building great sales teams he's in apex executives with me and uh, he is a builder of sales teams he's had a ton of success in the hardest of sales industries mall kiosks and door-to-door sales. He's the current owner of Reno Solar. And uh, Jory, appreciate you coming on to the show, man. Uh, you know, Thanks for in terms me. of a guest that is specifically perfect for the show, you are one of those, you know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, me and you trade information all the time and are in, in almost the exact same industry. Uh, and, you know, the only difference is I'm coming from the AT&T side, you're coming from the mall kiosk side both had a lot of success in there. So, you know, definitely want to, uh, hear about where it all started. You know what I mean? And you know how these things go. We want to hear the, the origin story. You know what I mean? Where did the, Jory Mack come from? Sure. Well, um, yeah, no, it's, that's, it's, well, we can go really, really way back, but I, I'd actually rather just start where, where, um, kind of where in business. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so basically what happened was, um, I was, uh, working for my family's pawn shop and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and we just didn't get along business wise um, and I wanted to maintain the relationship more than I did um, wanted to actually inherit the business because it's you know we, this is the one of the biggest pawn shops in the west coast so it's it was a huge deal to walk away from mm-hmm. uh, but I did I walked away from it um, so you were, I got it. you were heir to all this pawn shop business basically that's and, correct yeah and I'm sure it did pretty well you know oh yeah yeah <laughs> and you oh just, yeah you just decided up in one day walk 
away from the whole thing. Will that ever come back around full circle now that you've been doing yes. your own thing? Okay. Yeah. I'm actually in the pawn shop right now. <laughs> oh, okay. So if that tells you anything, yeah. So it already did come back full circle. Uh-huh. Um, so it's actually, actually a funny story. So um, yeah, we basically didn't get along business wise. Um, I was actually challenged. She pretty much told me, Hey, um, uh, why don't, why don't you go get a job and see, see how you can see if you can treat your, your employer the same way and see if you can keep your job type thing. Right. For me, um, me disagreeing with someone mm-hmm. is not, uh, is not the same as being disobedient or being, you know, uh, uh, rude or anything like that. Um, I just state my disagreements and I want to make sure that people understand that, like that, cause I like, I think iron sharpens iron type thing, right. Mm-hmm. When you actually bring up something that, that is kind of hard for someone else to hear, like, Hey, you're not doing this right. It's actually a good thing for someone to hear, even if it's hard to hear. Right. And so she, she kind of looked at it as a different, um, style they she looked at it as like hey you know you're being disobedient and stuff like that so she says hey why don't you go get another job see if you can talk to your uh the ceo that way and and see if you can keep your job so i did i went to go uh, work for a gym uh i did talk to her the same exact way i sat down with her said hey i think we could change some things up i think we have some meetings every week you know that type of thing um and we broke records eight out of 12 months Nice. We broke records and, and that business has been uh, there since 1978. So breaking a record is kind of a big deal. Um, I always, talk you know about, what I, mean? I always talk about my first job or my first like 20 jobs. That's, that was always my problem. I always told the CEO how to do their job and it never yeah. worked out for me. <laughs> I always got right. fired. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad they were receptive to you. Yeah. Well, I didn't ever, t- I never told her. I just said, Hey, listen, I have a lot of really good ideas and I'd like to implement them. What do you think? And she was like, you know what, go with it. You know, if it doesn't work, like let's just continue, let's move, you know, change it up. I said, okay, great. That's awesome. So I implemented it and it made huge, huge difference. So, nice. um, yeah, so, so, and she always, we always got along great. I really, I loved that. She, her name's Dee. She's amazing. So, um, so what happened was I actually started, I stopped by, a kiosk in the mall and it said, stop, you know, back pain, neck pain. And I bought this little device and stuck it on my back and it uh, fixed my lower back. And I had been getting some back pain. Cause I, you know, I was at the gym all the time. Yeah. Right? I was, you know, swinging a racket for racket ball. And, you know, I was playing, you know, softball and all these twisting sports. So I messed up my lower back. Um, and so I, uh, I fell in love with the device that fixed my lower back. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, now I can play sports that's a huge deal. Why isn't everybody using this thing? I've never seen this thing before. Right. right. And so I started selling them at the gym. People like pull their, you know, back or they you know, hurt their shoulder or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And I'd say, here, throw this on. And it'd help them. And they'd go, where do I get one of these? And I said, Oh, well, I, I can sell you one. Right. Nice. So I just started doing it and started, you know, building up some, and I take all that money and put it into savings. And just every time I make a sale, I put it into savings, it's savings, mm-hmm. savings, savings. And then I ended up buying the kiosk from the guy that originally sold it to me. So, um, that being said that, uh, I had a rude awakening because what I thought is I thought I could change everybody's mind about the kiosks. Right. So when I went in, I was thinking, okay, well, I'm not going to be super aggressive. So I'm going to go and like, I'm just going to do it a different way and I'll probably get a lot more sales. Right. Um, what I realized is that it was, it was kind of a rude awakening it has nothing to do with the person that's there. 
It just has to do with the thing in the middle of the mall. <laughs> Nobody, it doesn't matter how non-aggressive you are. It doesn't matter what, if the fact that you're even talking to somebody from a kiosk, they like, don't like you. Right? right. So what I had to realize is, okay, like it basically, first of all, broke down my entire fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to, I had to get to a point where I almost, I almost quit two weeks in, which is kind of wild because if I would have quit, none of this would have happened. Right. Um, but I almost quit two weeks in, uh, because I was like, I basically was like, well, this isn't, this wasn't the plan. My plan was to change the industry and to have people, you know, uh, you know, make it easier for people to walk up to me, not to like, to turn into the kiosk salesman. Right. Right. Like I didn't want to be somebody who, who would stop people in the mall. (laughs) I didn't want that. And so what I realized is actually I had to, you know, I had to actually, um, I had to start stopping people. I, now I did come up with a lot of creative ways. I wasn't aggressive. I, you know, I try to figure out ways, you know, things like, like, Oh, wow. Nice shoes, you know, especially your left one. Right. And then the people, <laughs> people yeah. laugh and whatever it is. Right. So mm-hmm. little, just little stuff that I could do to make people laugh. Right. Yeah. Uh, but what I realized is that people are, are, they just don't like the kiosk. So I step three feet this way and everybody likes me step three feet this way. Everybody, you know, doesn't like me. Anymore, yeah. If you're right? too close to the kiosk. Yeah. And that's what also broke that for me was mm-hmm. I just realized it's not me. It's this thing. Yeah. So I realized, okay, can't take it personally. Let's just continue to keep, you know, pushing and growing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, then the next step was, was building the team, right? Because obviously building great sales teams, right? So this yeah. was for me, the, the second hardest part, because I was sitting there. Now I'm, I now understand it. I now know how to sell, but how do I get someone else to buy into this, this, not only this product, but also this, this way of sales, right? Mm-hmm. Because so many people don't like the kiosks. So when someone goes into the kiosks, now you have to change their mindset into this is your way of making money. And this is your way of, you know, you have, you're also helping people. So you have to, you have to create some sort of mission that was more important than what was, uh, than the fear that they had of the customers. Mm-hmm. So if you could help them, because they knew when they would make a sale that it would help their back or it would help their knee or it helped their whatever it is. So they right. knew that. So if, if I could tell, teach them how important that was compared to the fear that they had, right. Mm-hmm. That would make, that started to make the difference in the people too, um, was to let them know, Hey, hold on to those times where you fix someone's lower back or hold on to that time that that guy walked out. He walked in with a cane and walked out without a cane. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hold yeah. on to those times. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, and then they, and when they did, they started to realize, okay, now I'm actually, now I'm actually, I'm doing something for the greater good. And even if I have to look like the turd that's stopping him in the mall, mm-hmm. once, once I make that sale, it's all worth it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to pull out a couple of points in there. And, you yeah. know, the first one is, you were ready to quit two weeks in. Yeah. And at this point, were you, were you doing the sales or were you actually the owner of the kiosk when you talked about quitting two weeks in? Um, I, so that was, I was, um, I was doing my own sales, mm-hmm. but I was, I was, uh, I was kind of partners with the guy. Yeah. Um, I was really the owner. Yeah. Um, but I was buying, I was in the process of buying him out. Right. If that makes I sense. I got you. Y'all put together a plan to, for you exactly. to take over basically. No, that sure. makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, at that point you were, you were invested. So 
I guess when you were ready to quit, what made you show up the next day? Uh, that challenge, that challenge that my grandma gave me, it was, it was actually, I'll tell you, I was, I was actually writing out what I was going to say to my partner. Mm -hmm. I was actually writing out. I was ready. I was, when I say I was ready to quit, I was literally ready to quit. I didn't, I was so over the rejection and mm-hmm. everybody saying, you know, I don't want to know, thank you, no, thank you. And then there, there are people like flip you off. There's people that like really are mean. Right. Yeah. Um, and so um, I was like, I, I just don't know if I can do this. Mm-hmm. And I was writing out why. And I remember stopping halfway through. I was like, you know what? I can't quit. I can't quit. Cause if I quit, then my grandma's right. <laughs> Right. Cause she also said that, that, okay, well now that you've, you've started, you know, uh, this, you know, this is, is, or now that you've actually done well with the, the gym, yeah. let's see if you can start your own business. Right. right. Was so that you had a challenge. You had a chip on your shoulder. Yeah. I had that chip on my shoulder and I had to get, I had to succeed. I just couldn't fail. Yeah. So that's, so, a, that's the first thing I want to point out is, you know, a lot of times the motivation is a negative one it comes from a negative place. Right. Right. And for me, it was the same way. I had something to prove to myself and then to my family that I wasn't going to be like them. You know, so every time mm-hmm. I got into those situations where everything wasn't clicking and it seemed like the world was going to end type stuff, you know, I had to uh, kind of channel that and, to, and remind myself, hey, if I quit now, then then that person's right. Or um, then I don't I don't get to be different from my family. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't get to trailblaze or any of that stuff. So, uh, the the next piece I would say is, well, and and I believe in this wholeheartedly is you have to believe in your product, right? The fact that you came to the product as a customer, as a raving fan, that's huge. And then, and then, so the first step is believing in your product. And then, like you said, create a mission around it. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're not even creating it. it. It's a very real and honest mission. You know what I'm saying? Right. To relieve people of pain. And uh, something that has an instant satisfaction too, which is huge. You know, so many products that we sell don't. And we don't get to see the results for months. Or sure. we don't get to see the savings. Or, we, you know, we don't get to see the benefits for, for too long. And we have to sell them on um, getting them down the road, which, which becomes a little more difficult. But uh, And then, of course, you realizing that, hey, I just need to change where I stand and where I talk to this person and that can kind of open up the game for me. But none of that comes without actual pra- practicing, you know what I'm saying? Without actually getting the reps. And that's the yeah. hardest thing that a lot of owners, especially with starting new divisions, new products, all that stuff, like you got to get some reps in first in order to build out the program that is going to support your sales team. So, that's right. uh, now I, that's awesome, man. And so in terms of, you know, going from your origin story to where you're at now, what kind of key things happened? You know what I mean? So from the kiosk, you know, obviously you got a mission behind your team and now did you open up multiple kiosks after that? Where'd you go from there? Yeah. So, um, like I said, it was kind of, um, you know, I probably wanted to quit maybe six or seven times, um, throughout this yeah, whole we all time. Do. <laughs> yeah. That was yesterday but, for me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Every single time though, I feel like I'm right next to gold. 
Mm-hmm. I'm right there. I'm just, I, I need to make that one little switch that I was afraid of stuff to make of changing. Mm-hmm. And, and then I make that little switch and it's just, boom, it explodes. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of them was actually opening I opened up two more kiosks. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually opened up a, uh, believe it or not, <laughs> a, a makeup and a hair straightener kiosk. So, uh, two, two things that I know nothing about, right. Being a straight male and not understanding anything about what I didn't even know what Revlon was at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, and, and yet I knew the one thing I did know is that the, the, uh, the product was good. I actually spent some time you know, talking to customers that were already customers, right. Yeah. Um, and go, okay, so you, so you really like it. Okay, cool. Like, you know, I knew that it was a good product. I asked them why, you know, there was, you know, lifetime warranty, there's certain stuff, so right. So you weren't was, a customer first to this product. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, wasn't a customer first to this product. <laughs> no. Um, but I knew it was a good product and I knew that if it was a good product and it was, there was a good market for it that I could sell it. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so, and I knew that it was, it made a lot of money. I was looking at the the numbers and stuff. Yeah. So, um, but when I bought the two kiosks, everybody quit. Right. And so that to me, was so scary because I didn't know a lot about this kiosk, right? And I didn't understand a lot about these products. Um, and yet everybody had left and it was just me and three kiosks in January. So you had January a- is the worst time month for kiosks. kiosks. Oh yeah. <laughs> By so, far. Cause it's like a shopping hangover from the holidays. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, and it's before you get your tax return. Um, exactly. So what happened? You had a mass exodus pretty much. Yeah. So I, you know, looking back, it wasn't, it wasn't really me. It was just the, the, the fear of, of change. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The fear of change in leadership. And so um, me stepping in, you know, I, I also think that um, I stepped into a, a different culture too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very Israeli culture. Yeah. And so um, there's, so when I stepped into it, um, I'll tell you a, a lot of times, uh, you know, with, with, I mean, in the kiosk world, mm-hmm. um, uh, Americans are actually really kind of looked down upon, yeah. uh, as lazy, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, those, those kiosk I, workers are hustlers, man. Yeah. They are. So when I stepped in it, I didn't get a lot of respect mm-hmm. right off the bat. And so, um, I actually ended up, so I ended up losing a lot of the guys, whether or not you know, I was, I was working just as hard as they were, if not harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just didn't for them. It just, there wasn't the same respect that they had for the old leadership. Right. So they all left. Um, so I had to rebuild and I had to train and stuff like that. I was started with Craigslist, getting five people in there, talking mm-hmm. to them, getting them all going. I remember you know, that advertising on Craigslist, <sighs> man. That's a nightmare. Yeah, it was so hard. <laughs> And getting it, getting them going, I, I'd get one for like three months and then they'd quit. And I just like, yeah. it was just so tr- tough. Over. Um, uh, and then actually, uh, I ended up, uh, I ended up hiring. So actually Pedro and I, um, ended up working. He actually managed all oh, my yeah. kiosks. Yeah. So Pedro, uh, actually he, he managed my kiosks and he, uh, I actually found him, um, and another guy mm-hmm. and we ended up working together a lot. And he actually helped me, you know, grow it out. He had actually been in the industry for a little bit longer than I had. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was pretty awesome. And that's actually how we became like best friends too. Um, that's bad. So that's, that's rare. Someone that worked yeah. for you at one point to end up being one of your best friends, you know? Yeah. Uh, he actually, he actually gave me a two month notice. First, first person ever. And 
probably the last one I'll ever get two month yeah, notice. That's it's like just a one percent rate of that ever happening in sales and commission sales, yeah. especially. You know. Yeah, and he, he's he he actually is the reason why I joined Apex as well. So, really, really solid guy. That's awesome, man. So, and yeah. so, you got multiple kiosks now. Obviously, right. you got them. You got people in. You got Pedro and uh, another person running them. You're rolling. All right. Was yep. there a moment for you where it's like, all right, Grandma, you know, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> Actually, no. Um, what happened was, um, so I was, I, I kept growing them. Um, I also did the thing where I let Pedro kind of run them and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I stepped back thinking that I was like, okay, well, I can just now go do my own thing or whatever. Like I got a passive income, you know, like that whole thing of like where you can, where you think you can just work for the beginning yeah. of, uh, you know, and then you can just let it go. Right. Yeah. And, but when you let it go, what happens? It starts going back downhill. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it turns yeah, out you were the secret sauce. You know, right. And it <laughs> sucks because you're like, oh, man, like, you know, and then yeah. and then because you, your 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 plan wasn't the same as what actually is happening. So well, I realized I had to actually the, yeah, commit the, to the life of hard. Right. Yeah. The first time you do it, you know, you think, oh, it's a person that's going to do it for me. But it's not a person. It's multiple people, systems, operations, back ends. You know what I mean? Like exactly. you have to have redundancies in place. You you have to. They can't replace you. So, and, and, and not that they can't, but it's more like, well, if they can replace you, then they may as well be you. They may right. as well go save up the money, open up their own kiosk and do their own thing. Right. And so right. you've got to offer them something beyond that, which is, all right, I'll take, I've got the operations. I've got people backing you. I've got the accounting. I've got, you know what I mean? Cause this is, this is a sales org issue that happens a lot. You know, you get people that come up through the, the company and do well and then get in leadership roles and then they get into the key player role, you know, which is maybe minority partner, maybe profit sharing, you know, override, uh, some type of override over the whole company, that type of stuff. And then, um, you start stepping back and then they feel like they're, they're the ones doing your job. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day. Right. Yeah. So you have to put the operational people in place to support them. So they have, you know, three or four people that are, they're still the leader, but they have a support team that you employ, you know what I'm saying? Right. And so they have a re okay, I can go deal with all this myself that, that jury has to deal with, or I can just do what I'm good at and make a bunch of sure. money. And you know what I mean? If we, and if we don't profit, it's not me that's got to worry about it. It's jury that has to worry about it, you know? So you're the money, you're the operations, you're the back end, and you're the vision, yep. you know, 100%. and that's important. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise, then they can just go and do everything themselves if they, if they are doing it themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. No, that's actually, uh, um, that's really well put. I'll tell you, it's, it's, you want to, you want to build a team, right? You want to build not just a player, you know, there's not, you know, Kobe Bryant didn't do it by himself. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, he did it by, by building up a team around him and yeah. same thing with, you know, Stephen Curry and stuff like that. So, um, you know, uh, you know, the other thing that, um, so then, yeah, let's, then let's kind of go into how this all happened. Mm -hmm. So, um, basically COVID happened actually. Um, and it shut down all the kiosks in the malls. Um, so you, and you went from, uh, you know, at, at this point, what, how much in sales were you guys doing? We had, so we had 10 kiosks. We were doing, uh, we were doing over, I mean, we were doing, uh, 
a decent amount over a million a year okay. uh, in sales. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say 1.5 or something like that in sales. So um, pre COVID you go from 1.5 million a year or um, was it come out to like uh 200, 300,000 a month or I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, way yeah it's about a, 150 a yeah. month, right? Yeah, 125 a month. Yeah, 125 yeah, a month to zero because they shut down all the kiosks and everything. There's no insurance for that, right? I mean, there's just zero income all of a sudden. Your people are yeah. out of jobs. Your leadership is out of their positions. You know what I'm saying? In fact, so, I even had the insurance that you're supposed to be able to use that with. And uh, mm-hmm. and they said that there's the one little thing that says viruses don't aren't included. Yeah. So there's how a, could you not read the three thousand page page contracts? Thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And not so, see that coming. <laughs> yeah, it was really frustrating actually. And we ended up uh um so we lost all that income mm-hmm. and I still had to pay because I, I had the well, yeah, I had I so plus I actually housed my guys and I also gave them uh what's called I gave them, you know, cars and stuff like that. So yeah. I had to pay for insurance, cars, rents like all that stuff, everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And eventually, so I'll tell you the first two weeks was like the best two weeks of my life. No employees calling me. I'm playing video games, whatever. Yeah. Right. I will tell you that third week I was like, I need to figure something out. And that's yeah. actually how the solar company came about was mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I need to figure this out somehow. And so I sat down and just went over, what do I do here? And I had been looking into solar for a long time mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And I had, I have a, phone repair shop and stuff like that too but the phone repair shop was even you know not doing yeah. very good during Same that thing. time it's retail so, yeah yep so it was it was a um it was pretty much i had to figure something out that was quote unquote essential which essential is garbage in my personal opinion because everybody needs money to yeah. eat right yeah. and so that's that's essential <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah so i think that's that's a nonsense but the thing is is that just having you had to figure out something that the government deemed essential which was right. solar you know uh, energy sector was still still essential um so we were still we were still knocking doors and still doing it that way mm-hmm. um and uh yeah and then they all they all joined the solar company we all made some decent money and then mm-hmm. uh we went back they all went back to the kiosks and uh i just fell in love with the the business and kept going from there so that's interesting uh going from a kiosk and probably making, I'm just spitballing here, twenty to a hundred dollars per sale, like in commission, mm-hmm. um, and then going into solar, making some money there, and then going back to the kiosk because the solar commission that's a high ticket item, right? Right. So, mm-hmm. I guess what made them go back? Were they not able to get past that like setter deal or? It, no, it was really just it's it's comfort zone, right? Culture. Once they've broken that that mindset of like you know of being in the kiosk you know then it becomes a comfort zone right now you're now knocking doors is out of the comfort zone so they're like i don't really like this as much this is you know so they had to get through that that breaking that barrier and there's only like two people that really broke that barrier they were like they were like actually i want to stay in solar so everybody else wanted to go back to the kiosk you know i don't look at a lot of sales positions and say hey that's harder than door-to-door but I feel like kiosk is right there, if not harder. <laughs> it's definitely harder. Yeah. <laughs> my, in my personal, oh yeah. yeah. In my personal opinion, it is way harder and for less money in my opinion too. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Well, don't get me wrong. 
there are wait, some wait, people, my guys are listening to this. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, that's <laughs> right. No, there's some people that make really good money in the yeah. So there's you have to be pretty good at it to make really good money on it. Um, but uh, I'll tell you, at the, for the most part, if you're just okay at it, you'd be better off okay at at, at solar um, yeah. solar than okay in the kiosk. Gotcha. If you're good in the kiosks, then you can stay there. Okay. <laughs> you can make a lot of money. So just to wrap up the kiosk business, what would you say kind of made you, I mean, I'm sure you ran into people recruiting your people. I'm sure you ran into, you know, competitive offers and stuff like that. What, what would you say kind of was the difference maker for you? And I know this is a tough question, but if you could just grab one thing in terms of culture, re- culture. Yeah. I mean, that's what it, a lot of it comes back to, but, uh, tell me, tell me more about y'all's culture and what you kind of focused on at that time versus what we know now with apex and Reno solar and, you know, everything you got going on now. I would say, um, we were about average, um, on the amount of, of, of commission that we gave. Um, there was always somebody who was willing to give more. Right. Right. Um, and for us, uh, we were totally okay with that. And, uh, and we had, you know, we, we had certain things where we're like, Hey, this is just how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to come work for us, um, you know, and people would leave these, these higher percentage, you know, positions to come work for us because we had such a good culture, you know, we would get rid of the turds, yeah. you know, there was a lot of the, the, a lot of times they'll keep the, the top salesman, you know, just because he's putting up, you know, by himself, a hundred thousand dollars a month. Right. Mm-hmm. And they just want to, you know, they just want to keep that guy. Yeah. And yet it destroys the whole culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they have all the, they have all the Power. control. Yeah. And I wasn't willing to have that. I wanted to have a bunch of people that were, that could work together as mm-hmm. a team. Um, and so we'd get rid of the bad ones and, uh, and we have, we have a culture of accountability, but we also have a culture of, and, and that's important. That's mm-hmm. important to, to, for people to be held accountable is, is, in my personal opinion, is, uh, is just as vital as a motivating uh, culture. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is if somebody feels like they can kind of be lazy and get away with it, right. that's the natural course of action for people. That's yeah. natural. They want to do that. They want to go like, okay, well, if I can, if I can take the easy way, then I will. How do and I so make you- more money doing less work? Exactly. Yeah. And, and efficiency is important, right? Mm-hmm. So like making more money with less work efficient wise is good, but laziness is not mm-hmm. right. And so the way that, uh, the way that we really started holding people accountable and the way that we really started, um, uh, you know, training and building a team and, and working that culture. Um, I'll tell you, people were like, I mean, they're now after COVID we're like breaking down our door to, to try to come work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turned into a really great culture and a really great, and then, and then everybody was making so much money because you wouldn't have those days where these two got in a spat and they got pissed off and then nobody made money that day. Right. right? So they, so because the culture was so good, everybody's paychecks were a lot better. Mm-hmm. And even if they were on an average, you know, uh, you know, percentage or whatever it was, they still were making a lot more money because everybody was working together and they were all helping each other out. It was really great. What was one thing y'all did to drive that culture to drive a good culture? I mean, you, you talked about getting rid of the cancers. That's one thing. Uh, what's another thing? Truly just caring for the people, mm-hmm. you know, when, when someone, when someone needed something, um, you know, there's, there's times that people 
really need some help or, or, Hey, you know, uh, Hey, I got myself in a bind, you know, could you, could you help me out here? And, uh, you know, being really there for them and really helping them, mm-hmm. um, knowing that they, that, that they have a safety net with you and that they have, that somebody's going to back them and that's going to help them out. And, um, that's really invested in their success is really important. The, the, the really caring for the people is something that not people, people don't really feel in their work environment. They're usually felt as, as a number in a lot of ways. Right. And, uh, and when you really care about them and their success, that's what I've noticed is that I care more about someone else's success, which makes me more successful. Absolutely. Right. So if, if I'm pushing as hard as I can to make you successful, to make you money, to make you pay your bills and, and, and hit your why and your goals and all that stuff, then eventually now I'm, I'm also making it too, but my focus isn't on me. It's on you. Yeah. And here's, here's a concept too, is that, you know, that's a genuine thing all the way through in terms of like, there has been times where I made a decision that made other people in the, the organization more successful. Right. And I, you know, I, I understand that that's naturally going to happen over the course of time, right? You're going to become more successful, you know, the, uh, the more successful people that you not create, but you foster, um, and you provide an opportunity with the more successful your business will become, but it it doesn't always happen that way. And, and even the medium term, I should say, not short term, not long term, but like the halfway term. And so if you're still I don't know why the last year I've been super comfortable making a hundred grand a year. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Obviously I've made more than that, but as long as I'm at that low point, you know what I'm saying? I will reinvest back into the business when sure. I don't have a project going on. I don't want to put a new garage in my house. You know what I mean? That, that type of stuff. Right. I have that when I think it's necessary, but, and I feel like if you truly if your passion is truly creating this vision, this legacy, you know what I'm saying? It's easy to just completely overlook it. And then all of a sudden you look up and my MDU director just made seven grand in a week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, My VP of sales has made over 10 grand in a week, you know? And so it's like, I haven't done that this year. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I mean, there it, that's the whole thing about sales. You can always make more than your boss. Right. And, uh, (laughs) <laughs> but I, I, there was no, you know, most people would have resentment. Most Can you say that again really loud yeah. for the people in the back? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the great thing about sales. You make more, you can make more money than your boss, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Cause they, they don't realize that either. Right. They think, Oh, I made 10 grand. Doug must've made 11. You know what I mean? Right. He's always exactly. got to make a dollar more. No, that's not how it works. They don't because, realize all the costs that go into it and all the risk and all the other well, stuff. Even beyond it. that, it's irresponsible of me to pay myself based on your income. You know what I'm saying? Right. I need to pay myself based on a salary that I predetermine and then make, you know, uh, distributions whenever I, f- I feel necessary. You know what I'm saying? I know that that coffer is always there if I need sure. to go into it and say, hey, I want to, you know, get the wife a new uh, expedition or whatever the case is, you know? Sure. And so anyways, but I just, you know, and that's one of the things that Apex and being around guys like you. And the rest of our crew has really done for me is just kind of opened my mind up to that. And it's like, man, that's where I'm getting my fulfillment from. It's creating opportunities, seeing other people execute on it and being the example, you know, and in, yep. in, in terms of the rest of our lives. Well, let's, uh, cause we're running out of time quick. I don't know how we got 
this far already, but uh, yeah, let's good. get into um, what you're doing now. And, okay. you know, in terms of what you did well with the kiosk and, and the culture and everything, you've got, you've got solar right now. You've, you still have got kiosk, right? Yeah. I still okay. have kiosk. You've got, uh, <laughs> you're at your family's pawn shop business. You've got the solar tax program. Is, is there a company name for that? Solar tax, solar tax consultants. Okay. I thought it was something simple like that. That's yeah. why I didn't remember, you know what I mean? But solar tax consultants. And then, and then what else you got going on? I know you got something else. <laughs> yeah. I've got a, a garage door comp, or a repair company in South okay. Carolina okay. and a, <laughs> a carpet cleaning business here. Um, a phone repair, like I said, uh, uh, and I'm actually, believe it or not, as, as crazy as you probably think I am, um, pretty soon here, I'm going to be opening a, uh, uh, air duct cleaning business as well. No, that's actually perfect. I mean, anything to do with home services. Yeah. You it's know, me in Denver, yeah. it, it makes a lot of sense, you know, because yeah. you can, you can sell the products on top of each other, even if they are different companies structured differently, different salespeople, you're basically collecting data when you make a sale, yep. you know what I'm saying? And now you can advertise that data to, to, uh, yep. for your other home service things. So no, that's great. Um, so that's like seven or eight different businesses. Now yeah, it's a lot. Are they, are they all <laughs> like, do they all have operators in place? You know what I mean? How are you managing that? I I always make sure that I have an operator in place mm -hmm. uh, before I do something like this. So, um, uh, my, my whole thing to people is that, Hey, I will help you build it. Right. Mm -hmm. I will take, you know, I understand the building blocks of a business really well, especially with all these different, you know, businesses. Once you realize that all businesses are similar in a lot of ways, yeah. they just, you just need to learn this, the, the few things that go into it, they're different, right? Mm -hmm. There's, I mean, at the end of the day, every industry is leads, closing, fulfillment. Mm -hmm. every single one of them right so you just have to how do you get the leads how do you uh uh, uh how do you close them mm -hmm. right and and how do you fulfill it right once you break it down to that now i can help build that part for them mm -hmm. but they need to do the day-to-day -day work i can't do the day-to-day -day right so that's where um you know that's where actually it works out really well too is that you know people that have more time on their hands um you know, look to me for some, for some help, mm -hmm. um, because they don't know how to start a business. They don't know what to do. Right. right. And so I have all that. I have the background. I have the you know experience in the marketing. I have the guys that can do it. I have the, you know, the support team, all that stuff. And then they can do the front end. I understand how to close, you know, to clean air ducts and how to close it and how to do that stuff. Right. If they right. know how to do the front end stuff, then I can help them with all the back end. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, what would you say is your golden goose right now? Is it solar? Cause you know, solar for sure. Yeah. That's what I, hundred percent. that's what yeah, I figure. Cause that's what you're in every day. You know, yep. so you're the operator in that business pretty much. Yeah. I do have an operator in this business too. Mm -hmm. So I've got uh, a guy, he's, he's my executive director. He's phenomenal. He's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I've got, and honestly, I've, I've even had, you know, my office girl was, you know, when I got COVID, you know, yeah. drawer, my executive director wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Um, I was out for a whole month and, and staff took care of a lot of that. So, um, I 
I have multiple people that can help me. Um, if let's say I were to leave for a month. Right. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, like you said, golden goose, mm-hmm. I want to put my time where it's the most valuable. Right. right? You get the, the biggest, uh, ROI. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, that doesn't mean that I don't care about the other businesses. I do yeah. care about them a lot. And if there was something to go downhill or something like that, I would catch it and I would take the time to, to, to work right. on it. But that being said, uh, it would be silly for me to put all my time and effort into a business that's mm-hmm. not bringing me or bringing me a quarter of what the rest is. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So how, uh, how is your team structured right now in terms of leadership? You know, you got so, your, are you, are you, I can't remember, are you doing the center closer model? Yes. So okay. it's, uh, so it's me, mm-hmm. um, executive director. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a marketing guy. Mm-hmm. I've got a, uh, I've got my, uh, my bookkeeper, good bookkeeper, who's mm-hmm. kind of a borderline CFO too. Yeah. Um, then I've got my, uh, I've got a lead coordinator. Mm-hmm who takes care of all the inbound leads um, and making sure that she's setting the leads. I've got a, um, uh, an office administrator. She takes care of all the, the project type stuff. Um, she was taking care of a lot of the uh, Dude, that's, uh, spreadsheets. That's a stressful position. <laughs> yeah. But, project management. Yeah. yeah. So the spreadsheets is, um, I actually just got a project manager um, because we're doing our own installs, but the spreadsheets Mm -hmm. that she was doing, she was doing tons of spreadsheets. Now I'm actually getting rid of that part for for her because uh, we're getting a new CRM. Um, And Sam Cahayas is building out her CRM. And I'll be honest with you, he's a stud. Um, I can't can't wait until I can call him and say, hey, this is my vision, make it happen. Because I'm getting, I'm getting to that point, but I need, I need more sales coming through the company before I do that. Not, not for the cost, but for, to understand how I want it all to work together. Yep. But I, I, I truly believe I'm going to pay him to do a custom CRM build. I don't want to use go high level. I don't want to use somebody else's platform. I want it built from scratch because I'm tired yeah, of like having to adjust for these other companies to tell me how they're going to do my uh, sales flow, you know, it's sure. driving me nuts. But he does, he does have go high level as well. He has, mm-hmm. he, but he, he chooses based upon he Like we're using monday.com and go mm-hmm. high level. Gotcha. Um, so we're using basically uh, Michael Copeland's um, go yeah. high level part where he basically has, has an automated process of, right. of texting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And we also have the, the monday.com part too. And they all are going to be talking to each other because yeah. of Sam. Yeah. Right. Uh, because Sam, Sam sets it up to where, where, you know, solo is, is, you know, like Quativa for you would be connected mm-hmm. to, to go high level, which would be connected. If you wanted to do installs, monday.com would be a good thing. Yeah. If not just go high level and, and, uh, Quativa, but they would talk to each other. So now you've, you, now when you close the deal, boom, it goes right into the, 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 it, it moves them to the next column. So you don't have to worry about it. Right. Yeah. Um, and it adds the amount and all that stuff in there. So you're basically, you're hands off for mm-hmm. the most part, you know? No, that's great. Yeah. And that's, that's super essential. You know, I talk about, uh, operations in the Kodak system all the time and operations. If you can't fulfill your projects, if you can't give your salesman visibility to the products, project stages and stuff like that, if you can't do it fluidly, you're going to have a hard time maintaining your sales team. So sp- yep. speaking of that, uh, let's go through the rest of that build. Right. So, okay. uh, you've got your operational team in place, your staff, and then, and then, uh, how's your sales team built out? So we've got our, our, um, closer model, mm-hmm. uh, what is it called? And then we've got, uh, so we've got center closer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So basically they work, obviously the set, the setters go out um, and they set their, um, they set the leads mm-hmm. and they, they, uh, you know, they get the bill they get a, you know, five-star lead, stuff like that. If they sit, um, they get commission. Then they also, right. if they close, they get commission. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we also have the closers, um, that go in and actually, um, and we call them, uh, pros and techs too, mm-hmm. by the way. So we don't call them setters and closers. Right. Uh, reason being is because part of it's also, if you, if you're talking to a customer, you don't want to say, Hey, yeah, we're going to send over our closer. We're sending over our tech. Right. Yeah. We have a, <laughs> we have a different, a different name for the customer facing stuff. That's more for our back end to understand yeah. who gets paid where and all that good stuff. But exactly. yeah, no, I, I did that way back in the AT&T days, you know, um, uh, AT&T specialist or, you know, uh, right. area manager, regional manager, you know, all that type of stuff. But on, 100%. on our end, it was just a sales rep. You know? Right. Exactly. So what's working, exactly. what's working for Reno solar right now? Uh, what do you mean? What's working? So, I mean, they're all, it's all working right now, to be <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> I don't know. It really is. It's, so you it's guys been, are, you guys are doing two sales a day. You know, when you and I talked a couple months ago, you know, that was more like a week, right? Yeah. It was like three, four a week. It's mm-hmm. about right. Yeah. Um, now it's. And so what do y'all, what's been the catalyst for that, that transition? I think the competition was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, me having this as executive director, it's firing everybody else up too, because now we've got two of me really. Yeah. I mean, this guy's like, he really is like a me. Yeah. He's, a, he's, he's like your sales manager, but he also sees the whole business you know exactly. what I'm saying? and how it should work together. And he helps a lot with actually being able to take the calls and help close the deals and stuff like that too. Yeah. So I can actually be on the floor, on the ground because mm-hmm. I love to knock doors. Not everybody loves to knock doors, yeah. right? He, 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 that's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to build out the back end stuff. I'm the exact opposite. I yeah. hate the back end stuff. I hate administrative paperwork yeah. and nonsense. I can't stand it. I'd uh-huh. rather be out there talking to people, knocking on doors, you know, closing deals. I like that stuff. Uh-huh. Get me out of the office and, and I'm, I thrive and I have more fun. Yeah. Um, and he, he, he's the exact opposite. So it works out perfect. He, and he's a great salesman, so he can help with the calls and stuff, but I can be on the floor and it just is a perfect, you know, yin and yang. Yeah. And that, that's good to have that awareness too, about what yeah. you genuinely enjoy and being willing to put someone, you know, when you look at, when you make a sale out in the field, you know what I mean? When you're making that sale, I mean, in that hierarchy, you're a closer, right? And he's... Right. He's the manager, you know what I'm saying? Right. Which yeah. which makes no sense when you look at who owns the company, right? But <laughs> that's what you enjoy doing. And I yeah. and I think you're hundred percent correct. If you enjoy rainmaking, then rain make rain, you know? <laughs> like That's right. That's awesome, man. And I think I think me I think it also fires people up the fact that the owner's out there knocking doors. Because yeah. people look at that as like a like a like entry level thing. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's it's not entry level. I, I, I feel like, wow, you have to do it in order to make money. You know what I mean? You have yeah. to get leads, leads turn into sales. Right. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that at the end of the day, if you don't have people to talk to, you won't be helping them go solar. Right. Right. Absolutely. So you have to knock doors to help them go solar. That's the mm-hmm. way, that's the way it works. You know? <laughs> so for me, it's like, I love it. You know, I enjoy it. And so the more I do it, the more people get fired up and want to do it also. Yeah, Absolutely. And so tell me about the, the sales mindset. So okay. this is obviously, you know, you, you came to our office and did some training for us here and you went through some of this. 
So, you know, obviously we got to do the abridged version, but this is something yeah, sure. that I feel like you're working on and that you're going to do talks on someday. Right. Yeah, I, okay. I agree. Um, really what it comes down to is, um, is you, I feel like you have complete control over your mind. Mm-hmm. I think people, um, a lot of times they think that like, for example, I, there's a lot of people that say things like, well, I'm, I'm not good at names, right? Oh, I suck at names. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to consistently suck at names. The more that you keep saying that, right. The more that if, if you start to say, okay, I'm changing that about myself, I'm now going to start being intentional. Every single time I walk it to somebody and talk to them and, and ask them their name, I'm going to say it three times so that I can remember their name. Mm-hmm. Right now, all of a sudden, my mindset changes. You don't suck at names. That's something that's just something that people say, right? Mm-hmm. Because they've given in to the, their, their own, you know, like basically laziness on, on, yeah. on remembering someone's name. It's the, it's the bullshit story you're telling yourself. Exactly. The same exact thing happens in sales mm-hmm. where people, I don't like knocking doors. Mm-hmm. Well, change that about yourself, right? You can change that about yourself. You can actually start to like knocking doors. I'll tell you, I didn't like kiosks. But I'll tell you, I didn't want to leave at the end of it because it was fun. I had a good time. I felt like every time I'd stop somebody, it was another challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Just even trying to stop somebody is a challenge, right? So the thing is, is it became a completely different mindset of like, I'm now challenging myself every single day and getting better and, and building character. And there's all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I look at it as a challenge. Like somebody just said a couple of days ago, they were like, they're like, oh man, I hate knocking in the cold. I'm like, I love knocking on the cold. I'd rather knock in the cold than knock in, in, in the warm because I know that I'm building character. I know that now I like it takes a real, you know, someone who has grit to knock in the cold. Mm-hmm. I want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy that's a fair weather, you know, knocker. Right. So what is so that's What is the strategy for reframing your mind that way? Because we're just, we're not, we're not just talking about sales now. I mean, yeah. This is anything you don't like doing. Exactly. It's, it's, basically telling yourself every single day and rewiring your own mind. And part of that is basically when you hear, you know, like they say the, the, you know, that voice, right. That voice Inner in your bitch. head. Yeah. That voice. <laughs> <laughs> you can cuss voice. for me. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an explicit but, podcast. We're good. Yes. I know, but I don't cuss anyway. Oh, but, gotcha. So the whole, the whole thing is that what it comes down to is the, um, is that that voice, if you, you can, if you rewire it enough times, eventually that's what you believe, right? Mm-hmm. You're, if you believe something and I, if like for me, I believe that knocking doors is actually something that's going to help people. So if I start to believe that and I start mm-hmm. to tell myself that, so every time that I'm, I'm going against that feeling of like, ah, I don't want to go that next door. Oh, I got shut down six times. Oh, the, you know, all that stuff that's like in your head, right? Mm-hmm. It's who cares? I'm helping somebody, right? That's all, whatever. They just didn't know that they needed help, mm-hmm. right? So they, that's why they shut me down, right? That's it. So once you start to rewire your mind that way, you start mm-hmm. to think from a different perspective and you consistently hit that, that you consistently rewire it. Eventually it is rewired and you, you, you no longer have to, to mm-hmm. do it. Does that make sense? You no longer, it doesn't take any effort. It takes a lot of effort at the beginning. I don't know if you heard about myelin. Do you know what myelin is? Mm-hmm. basically myelin is a pathways in the brain that are built from habits. Oh, so yes. When, so I've heard this explained before. I didn't know there was a name for it. 
Yeah, it's actually so. Um, so that's why. Think about it from this perspective. What's the difference between going to the gym the first time and going to the gym the five hundredth time? There's no difference, right? Mm-hmm. It, in the actions it's themselves, there's no right. difference. But why does it hurt so much more in your mind to go the first time? Yeah, because that myelin. That Exactly. You haven't created that pathway. So you're actually breaking down something in your brain and it sucks. Mm-hmm. And then when you're rewiring it and changing it to something else, you're actually rebuilding something that's actually legitimate pathways in your brain. So when you're building that, it's tough, it's hard. But once you've already built it, now you just go to the gym. That's just who I right. am. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So it's the same thing with sales. If you consistently keep doing that, then you consistently keep rewiring your brain to like, man, this sucks to like, I actually really love this. Eventually you just start to love it. So if you know, and I agree with you a hundred percent, that's why I wake up at four 30 in the morning now, you know, the first yeah. time I did it, I didn't have that pathway. You right. know what I mean? Now I have that pathway. Right. Uh, 100%. How do the listeners get a hold of you? If they, they want to learn more about the sales mindset um, or honestly, any of I'm- your 17 products that you have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm down to just, if somebody wants to text me, um, I, I don't call me cause I, I, I'm really hard to get a hold of. I'm always mm-hmm. busy, but text me, um, seven, seven, five, eight, four, six, nine, three, seven, one. Um, and I mean, I'm always down to have conversation. I like to help people out. That's actually one of my biggest passions. So is helping others. So awesome. And we can also find you on Facebook at Jory, yep. Jory Dane Dane Mac. Mac. Yep. Yeah, and that's D A I N E. Correct. Correct. Awesome. Well, Jory, uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. I knew this would be a really good one. I think our listeners are going to get a ton of value from it. And so I'm excited to get the feedback from it and everything. And uh, we'll put all Jory's info in the show notes. Uh, Guys, I hope you have a wonderful day. I hope you got a lot of value from this. And let's get building. All right. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Until next time.